This is How to Read. Brief Conversations with Brilliant Minds. How to Read is a series of brief conversations with literary scholars. I'm Milan, and in each episode, I sit down for a cup of tea with a different scholar, and we talk through their current research. And I'm Jess, the producer of How to Read. Today, we're talking to Heather Love, an English professor who focuses on 20th century literature and queer theory. We hope you enjoy the conversation. And now, back to Milan. Our guest Heather Love is out to convince us of the value of description. Yep, plain old description. In our conversation today, she explains why description got a bad reputation in literary studies. Lately, Heather has been reading sociologists from the 1950s and 60s. She thinks that their neutral, distanced descriptions have an ethical value that most literary scholars haven't recognized. Heather Love, welcome. Hi. So we're going to talk about description today. Great. Um, how have literary scholars tended to think about description? Well, description just has a bad reputation. Okay. Um, <laughs> Why? Yeah, so that seems maybe weird since, you know, we can all think about for instance, you know, landscape descriptions is an integral part of many novels, yeah. um, and it doesn't necessarily seem like a bad thing, but mm. um, there's a very famous reading by this Marxist critic, Lukács, mm-hmm. um, this very famous essay called Narrate or Describe, okay. um, question mark. But Lukács does actually answer that question, which is to say, narrate. Right, don't, don't describe. <laughs> don't describe. Narrate <laughs> okay. is, um, is better than describe. And, what, and why does he argue that you should narrate rather than describe? Well, um, he had a kind of argument that um, modern fiction, modernist fiction... When is the modern modernist? Well, it's, it's, that's there? tricky, but probably we could say something like mid-19th century to early 20th century. So the, in this famous essay, he's basically, he's, he's comparing Tolstoy and mm-hmm. Zola. So Tolstoy mm-hmm. is a kind of classic 19th century realist of whom he approves. Okay. And Zola is an example of naturalism later 19th century and he heading into modernism of, of which okay. he disapproves. And so his argument is that what what realist authors do is to give us a kind of total social picture of the world um, and to help us understand like social forces and how they're in relation to each other and to give us a, a kind of living portrait of the world. And the way mm. they do that is by telling stories, right? That they actually narrate um, the kind of living action of human actors and make reality seem like something that can be changed, right? Mm. So for a Marxist critic, that's very important. So, so they can... Believe in a revolution. Yeah, they can believe in social transformation and they can find a path to to social transformation. Whereas what Lukács argues is that Zola basically gives us a kind of catalog of dead stuff. You know, it's like, well, here's a lot of stuff that you might want to know about the world. Yeah. But it doesn't give us this sense of how we could change the world. So, and I think this is a actually a pretty common um critique of description or a reservation that people have about it is that to describe the world seems to be to just accept that it is the way it is. And of course, the world is bad, right? So um, (laughs) we know that. Um, And so description seems to, rather than resist the world or imagine a new future for humankind, it just is like a Xerox machine of the world. So you mentioned this dichotomy between describe and narrate Mm -hmm. and... um, the idea there in that essay was that narrate was the one that um, 
sort of allows for social change or gives a sense of like potential of mm -hmm. the world is something mm -hmm. that things can happen in whereas describe is this kind of deadening thing mm -hmm. how how are you understanding description differently mm -hmm. like what's the value of it for you yeah i guess there's two things one is that i think that actually just trying to account for the world as it is mm -hmm. has a lot more value than we tend to think about it as having and that in what i mean in the, in the sense the that then? in the sense that in order to I, I mean i also want to change the world right i'm yeah. not saying that i don't <laughs> want to change the world but i think in order to change the world just producing an account of it is an important step mm. it doesn't have to be everything but i think that that idea that um that if you just give an image of the world, if you just represent it faithfully, if you just present it, that it is in some way you're kind of assenting to its justness, I think isn't true. Mm -hmm. And that um, in order to, to change the world, we have to understand how it works. And that certain kinds of descriptions, just by being faithful um, and giving an accurate account of the world, can be very motivating for people to try to change them, right? If you mm. actually see how bad the world is, yeah. um, that 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 is extremely motivating to people. You know, the world now is so. The question of just establishing facts about the world is so contested. So, I mean, and a lot of people, I think, have um, really tried to argue that we need that people on the left and people who. Um, have been used to challenging the idea of a stable reality, literary critics among them, mm -hmm. now need to support that because of the reign of alternative facts. And I think, mm -hmm. especially around something like climate change, yeah. where, you know, I, like, I personally feel like I got very, very good at the tools of skepticism and trying to see through mm -hmm. reality, but, you know, that we actually need to work to try to build up a portrait of reality, because that's what's threatened now. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think you said there were two reasons. Was that the that first was one. one? Okay, what's um, the other? And the other one is that I think that um, that as humanists, we tend to value stories mm. and kind of the the deep the deep the deep stories of people's lives and their feelings and their motivations and their histories and what makes them who they are. And again, I. I, I'm into that. I, yeah. you know, I love narrative and I love, um, you know, thinking about people's complex interiority. Yeah. But there are potential pitfalls, I think, with that kind of representation and that in order to try to understand what other people are truly feeling or, you know, in Bill Clinton's phrase, to feel their pain, mm -hmm. that we end up making certain kinds of leaps or assumptions about where they're coming from mm -hmm. even in the best with the best intentions toward you know say empathy yeah. um and so i think to have actually have a true humility about trying to understand other people a tool that takes more distance and tries to just literally account for what they're doing yeah. um, rather than trying to understand what's going on inside of them actually has a value that we haven't really recognized up to this point would you say that like kind of giving an account of someone's life 
is incomplete if you're just focusing on the narrative and not on describing the sort of environment yeah. and yeah i mean that would be one way to put it i think also just you know i think we tend to think of to associate that kind of more objective distance style with um a kind of impulse toward mastery or or a cruelty or, cruelty or objectification not really mm. caring about or not trying to you know stand in the other person's shoes but i actually think i think we also need to respect the the real differences and the that are the, the real differences that exist between people and that sometimes the appropriate relation to that is to take some distance right and to say like i actually can understand mm. that person's motivation but here's what i see them doing or here's um here's what i what here's what i can perceive from my own position mm. right yeah so how did you first become interested in description i think it actually was um around this question of um, what is the role of representation in either reflecting the world or trying to change it? Mm. That became very interesting to me, and it became interesting to me through work on what I'm inter- what I what are my main interests are, which have to do with social inequality um, yeah. and the question of stigma. Mm-hmm. So, um, in my first book, I was working on queer literature, and I basically worked on these very sad. Um, books with okay. not very heroic people in them, right? Yeah. So um, kind of difficult characters who maybe didn't identify as gay or didn't like other gay people or, you know, mm. didn't have any sense of political collectivity. Basically all of the things that as a queer critic we look for in terms of resources, political resources in the past. Mm. I was very drawn to texts that didn't fit into that category. Yeah, And I think because I felt like those what those books gave us was not a roadmap to social transformation but a reflection or a description of what it felt how like difficult things were of how difficult things were and so you know i think yeah. people sometimes refer to this as a kind of engagement with life not as it should be but as it is mm-hmm. and that that's really the sort of impulse driving that first book which is to say just because mm. these people don't live up to our ideals doesn't mean that we should ignore their experience. In fact, yeah. <laughs> that would be very instructive for us to think about what it's like when you don't, you're not heroic, you're not exceptional, you know? Yeah. Um, so th- I became interested in that, and then I really became interested kind of out of that work in this book by Irving Goffman, this American Canadian-American sociologist. Who was he? What was his idea about description? Well, so this is, so in particular with this book, Stigma, which he wrote in 1963, mm. What Goffman does is turn a really fine eye. He's got a great eye, as people say, yeah. on micro level of interactions that um, mm-hmm. produce situations of social harm, okay. right? And it's it actually has, I think, a lot of links to the way people talk about microaggressions today. Yeah, and that he did that in a way that was. You know, I just admire his powers of description, right, and his ability mm. to capture those moments. But also, um, and he's often compared to a novelist. I think, yeah, partly because of that ability, um, but also that he didn't necessarily, he didn't even have to denounce those situations in order for people to see that they were wrong, okay. right? And so there's something very compelling to me as a yeah. kind of approach. I mean, can can you give an example? It doesn't have to be a direct yeah. quote, but what what's the type of interaction that he's describing when it comes to stigma? I mean, he talks a lot about, for instance, eye behavior. 
Okay. Right. So um, who is looking at whom? How long do people hold eye mm-hmm. contact in public? Um, you know, who feels entitled to look at people on the street and who has to look away? Mm. Um, and things like gesture um, mm-hmm. down to the level of spacing, how far apart we are. I always think of the Smith song, like everything depends on how near you stand to me, right? But it's mm-hmm. like that actually that there's a that that's consequential, yeah, right? Yeah. And that if you're interested in how social relations work, say as a novelist, that it's worth taking the time to Get show how right. that social order works, yeah. right? Yeah. Are there any recent works of art, like it could be a novel, could be a movie, or yeah. that? you feel really like continues in that tradition of like the micro scale of yeah. analysis. I've been working on actually on Claudia Rankine's um, Citizen, which um, kind of opens with a bunch of small scale scenes of very small scale scenes of social interaction that are, um, you know, for instance, with a colleague in a car on the way back from a meeting who, you know, makes this kind of comment about affirmative action and, you know, why can't we hire any good people? We just have to hire people through affirmative action and and sort of like what happens in that car, you know, for those two minutes. Um, and to see that as kind of an appropriate scale to think about racial violence in the U.S., which, of course, there's many other scales at which we could um, think about that, both in terms of kind of extremity of violence, obviously, um, but also in terms of more like structural causes. And I think Rankine is trying to draw out what's happening at the at the micro level. And she's also very interested in, in fact, right? She's very mm-hmm. interested in um, documentation. And I think, you know, the kind of use of body cameras and counter surveillance now around incidents of racial violence, I think is one place where people are trying to think about sort of small scale practices of recording mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and surveillance and cameras have mostly been used against minoritized populations in the U.S. So I think it's a moment where um, we can see description mm-hmm. and a kind of objective recording of facts as actually having a different political valence than we've used, been used to thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's really fascinating. Suddenly realizing, yeah, description really impinges on our lives today in some really profound ways. Well, Heather Love, thank you very much. Thank you. That was Heather Love, a professor in the English department at the University of Pennsylvania. That's it for this episode. For links to books mentioned in our discussion, plus further reading, visit our website, howtoreadpodcast.com. You can also listen to a bonus clip of Heather Love's take on the graphic novelist Alison Bechdel. To hear about our latest episodes and news, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at How to Read Now. How to Read is produced by me, Milan Talunen, and by me, Jess Engebretson. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Special thanks to Columbia University for its support, and thank you for listening.